Uh, before we start today's episode with Tiger Leader, please consider subscribing to the Spotify account. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at General Spec Podcast. Today's episode with Tig is a great one. Um, there is some minor sound issues, which I hope don't affect it too badly. Uh, but make sure you stick around to right to the end when Tig discusses three uh, Irish sportsmen who could make the transition to American football. Enjoy listening. Tig Leader. Welcome to the General Spec Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks very much. Just off the pitch here, having been coached for the last few hours up in Dublin. Um, so, yeah, this is my, my Sunday coaching session. session, And now chatting away to you, I've just got a quick coffee beside me. So, yeah, no, life life is good and looking forward to the next while. Good stuff. Decent Sunday. So, That's it. Um, so for the people listening in, um, firstly, obviously, subscribe to the podcast and, and follow, follow Tig on social medias. But Ty, your um, your career, I've been following it for for a while, and um, a bit of an introduction I'll give you, and you can add to it. But you're a, like myself, a, a fellow Galway man. Uh, you studied in the Bish. You were playing with Connacht rugby in Ireland underage. You actually even played for the USA, um, and you scored in your debut yeah. um, for for them. Uh, you you played rugby uh, in Italy in the US, and then you w- went to the US um, for education. You did. Um, you're on a scholarship, you did an MBA, and then um, you made the transition then into playing um, American football. It's put in returner, you played in Poland, um, and then in, uh, you also got signed for um, Hamilton and CFL, uh, Canadian League. And, and today, or right now, you're, 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 you're a founder of uh, leaderkicking.com. So we'll, we'll probably go into all of those, but have I missed anything off uh, a bit about yourself? Uh, no, I think that's, you hit all the, you hit all the, the key points anyway so yeah definitely yeah that, that no, cool. you nailed it good job fair play <laughs> so grow, growing up um obviously your brother also kind of player but was your was your family a, a sporting family yeah massively massively um it's funny now because you know when you get older yeah i was back in i've been gone from ireland for quite a few years now but being back in galway the last and just being home with the family and you realize like you know how lucky we are because not only you know my dad was big time into rugby and rowing, uh, all the way with with different uh, Galwegians rugby club and then just different rowing clubs and he rowed uh, nationally himself when he was a young oh. fella and then mum was also big time involved in rowing and, and rugby taxis for us as kids because <laughs> this, so so I guess this is probably you know you don't think of it at the time but in hindsight you know I've I've two brothers so the three boys in the family I'm the middle child and from between the three of us, I think it was only five and a bit years in age gap. You know, that was class just because, you know, we accumulated thousands of hours of passes the rugby ball, kicking the Gaelic football, kicking the rugby ball, hurling, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I did my upbringing, just sports. We played every sport under the sun, uh, golf and water sports and all the usual ones. Yeah. Uh, again, I never really thought about it. Only in the last kind of month, I'd say, from Galway and just outside in the house and I was thinking, geez, the amount of different you know, we'd every, you know, we had the goalposts in the garden, we had big gardens, or just, we had everything kind of done for, or we're given access to everything, it's probably the better way to put it, you know, so I was really lucky from an upbringing perspective that our parents were great, uh, and so we played it, we did, and then um, having two, you know, having two teammates, essentially, you know, to, to puck the ball back and forth, around it, whatever it may be, 
So I had, and the other two lads love sport. And as you mentioned, Dara went on to be play multiple years professionally as well with Connacht. So uh, you could, couldn't have asked for a better upbringing, basically. And that that was, you know, the, the foundation of our kind of sporting careers was was unknowingly just being having the crack and kicking around the ball was was laid then, um, which kind of, you know, allowed us to go. Although Greg didn't play professionally, he's the other brother. He was, he still played Connacht underage and was a, a good rugby player, but he was just smarter than Dara and I. So he went... Uh, <laughs> He went down the academic route and saved bang. Great stuff. And the, you, you're in the you're in the Bish in Galway. You, you moved into um, to Ross Gray. Was that was that rugby motivated? Because obviously that's a big rugby school, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was started the three of us. I was the only one that did that. Just um, I I I loved rugby, and then growing up, I loved all sports. But around 16 is when the kind of academy system started, and you kind of have to make a decision. 15, 16. Uh, but yeah, I, it was for me. It was rugby because I suppose growing up, you know, back in the day, I remember Satanta Sports. You'd see the yes. Leinster schools. Uh, it was just such a big thing, and I was just like, you know, if I want to play professional rugby, which is all I wanted at the time, that you know, going to a boarding school and you know, being immersed in that environment and everything that comes, like basically, basically, fantastic school, and I actually, I love it. I I speak. Which is my number one. You know, I went to two schools, but Fish sits top of the list because I I loved it. Yeah, um, but but Ross Gray was class as well in terms of you know sport. You know, it's sport twenty four seven. Like you know, I remember driving gates the first day and seeing like six rugby pitches, three or four Gaelic football pitches, and oh. you know, yeah, all of that. So, sporting was the reason. Was it well for me? It was sporting, and then for my parents, they thought if I locked locked me up inside a boarding school twenty four seven, I might actually do a bit with hard studies because I wasn't the best student. So that was, I guess, that was their motivation and the. The sport and side of things is what uh, lit, lit my eyes up. So I, I went down there for two years, but I uh, loved it. But also, can't speak Hollywood. I'll make sure I say, I say that again. Yeah, yeah. And um, how did then? How did you then go from uh, in Ross Gray then to getting into Connacht Academy? How did all that happen? Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. Quite a unique one is um, at the age of fifteen, and I think we were the only age, my years, and one of the only years I've ever done this. They actually picked eight of us at the age of 15. Because um, every province had, you know, they'd have wide squads of like 13. You'd meet maybe once a week during the summer and maybe during a, you know, a break from school. But um, for whatever reason, they, they took in eight of us at 15 and we trained full time. So, you know, summertime, Monday through Friday, we were in there full time, same as the pros. And then in the any, any break from school, we're in there, you know, full time. So, I was one of the, I was in that system at that time. Jack Carthy, actually, Jack just last night, did a fair play to him, became yeah. college top ever point scorer. Jack was one there as well. Uh, I think four of us went on to play professionally, so of that group of eight. And then, um, so I was always kind of in the system. And then the plan was hopefully once I left secondary school, that sign kind of into the the professional academy, say. Um, and yeah, that was the, I guess, I, I did that for, did that for, three and a half years um, in that system from the academy and then I spent two years with the the first year under Eric was the head coach and then Pat Lamb came in as the head coach so it was old actually saying that now <laughs> thinking back but yeah that was kind of you know the, the, the pathway I suppose and um, absolutely loved it it was class experience and everything but yeah I guess that was how that worked there's a system probably started at 15 and then I was kind of on that I was on the train as such, and I just kind of stayed on it and rode it, you know, up to around 22, 23. So it was, it was a really easy pathway to follow because it was all laid out for me, I guess. 
which is something that we'll get into later, I imagine, but it's American football. There is no paths. But for rugby, yeah, it was all kind of, it was, it was easy to follow because it was always the next step was your hand was held and you were brought along as long as you were, I guess, showing talent or... And um, I was looking up in your, your time at Connacht as well. and You, you actually played in the, the first rugby game of the redeveloped Aviva Stadium. But <laughs> bit, bit of a tough day that was, but it must have been still a... It must have been a good experience to do that. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, funnily enough, my first and only appearance ever on the wing, um, <laughs> because uh, I was supposed to be in the centre, and then you know things. We were Connacht Munster combined, so I remember yeah. uh, Ulster Leinster team. I remember they had two wingers, and one of them was like a hot shot, you know, through Leinster schools and all that crack, big name, and the other guy I'd never heard of. So I remember saying to the wingers, like, "Look, my that wing because I've never played in the wing before, so I let me mark this guy." Yeah, um, and that guy turned out to be Roy, who went on to play like, well over a hundred games for Ulster, bloody few caps for Ireland. He also scored the high that day, believe it or not. Paddy right. Jackson put in a bit of a chip kick over my head, um, and then the back end of it and scored a try. So I remember the first five minutes, I was on the wing and seeing my opposite score, and I was like, "Oh God!" But uh, we went on to get hammered, by the way. Uh, but th- that team, their team was class. In fairness to them, was stacked. But class experience, you know, you're right. And you know, because it was a trial run for the first game in the Avivas, you know, we got to do you know, it was the first time going to a game with like a big police escort, even though it was only a two minute drive. But the police escort are having, I think it was just under 40,000 were there that day. Yeah, I look back in it now, good experience, a funny one to kind of have. And they're going back to the Aviva Stadium for my, my first time involved with USA, we were against Ireland, so it was a funny full circle. And then my first Irish event for American football in Ireland was also stadium so it's, a, it's just been a random enough spot for me kind of returning over the years with different jerseys or different sport brilliant cool so how did the um you then moved to italy uh playing as a baddie i can't pronounce it b-a-d-i-a yeah 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 Badia. um was in a go kind of yeah yeah that was the, the region yeah and how did um what was that experience like? I mean, living there and all that. Or how long were you there for? I uh, signed for a season, but it only lasted maybe two months. Um, class experience though, twenty twenty two, and um, I got a bad shoulder injury and I got a bad ankle injury my last year in Connacht. So I didn't, which is past first year actually. Alan was coach, yeah. So it's his first year. So I, I remember just kind of rehabbing the whole time. And I, to be honest with you, I wasn't enjoying rugby at all at that stage. Um, right. and I was kind of nor Connacht really, just because, in hindsight, going in at fifteen in that we did, you know, the the training. I said it hasn't been done since because it was too probably too much too soon. I loved it, but looking back, but when I left Connacht at twenty two, you know, I felt like I'd been there almost ten years. I kind of had been, you know, taking the fact we were brought in at that stage. Um, but yeah, so I, had, I decided that I wanted to, to go play elsewhere. Pretty around Christmas, we even got even towards kind of contract renewal time and stuff. I just wasn't happy. So I knew I wanted to move. Somewhere. And I was kind of looking at, you know, English Championship Tier 2 in England and some France stuff. And then I was, I was you know, and then actually there's a chance to go play to the in the US. And then... I was I was considering considering going to the US because getting a rugby scholarship. To, so to close, you know, half considering because I hadn't been through education at that point, third level education. And I remember I was in coming back from the US from a holiday, and my agent texted me and said, "Like, how do you fancy?" 
I remember kind of Googling the club, Googling the area. And I just remember one of the older lads, one of the older rugby lads said to me, he's like, look, you can always go back and do college a year next year, the year after, like getting a contract to play over in Italy and experience that, you know, might come across. So yeah. I said yes to that and um, didn't have a clue the the, the language. Um, <laughs> didn't, didn't, uh, it was, it was gas looking back, just, just off the plane, this Italian agent picking me up and then driving me, you know, he didn't speak much English halfway toward the, the town where his car broke down around the side of the road for like 15 or 15 or so I've got a good app. Yeah. So like, what, what's the crack here? Like, what, what am I getting myself into? Um, turned out to be a really fun, fun experience. And I grew up a lot because I never, you know, I was in so my hand was held and then you went to Connacht and your hand is held. So it was my first yeah. time maybe having to figure it out for myself alone with the different language and everything but unfortunately that the shoulder injuries i had and the ankle injury i had followed me so i ended up having to uh, you know i was there for maybe six eight weeks but my goose so i have to get it reconstructed so um that that led to the end of that journey so it didn't go a lot of rugby in the end of it um but just from a lifestyle and kind of growing up and standing on my two feet that that was probably how i that piece you know really fondly i'd say uh so yeah that's kind of my that was the time in italy and what was the the, the injuries you're getting your shoulder was that was that a particular moment or was it just lot of like a lot of games or what what kind of triggered all that or it happened in pre-season pat's first year i remember it happened in pre-season went to make a tackle just laying on the ground before i knew it and it just things didn't feel right i remember just laying back looking at the sky and being like oh this isn't good yeah. I was actually playing for there's a club called Shannon. Uh, I'm sure I've been to rugby. Yeah. Or the Shannon. Yeah. Um, so because Galwegians had got relegated, so uh, I Shannon were playing in the top division. They were the nearest Division One club. So I wasn't. I don't know loyalty. I suppose I wasn't going to play for Buccaneers. So I uh, went to Shannon, and um, it was, I remember it was one of the first games there. <clears throat> and yet the shoulder came out. Just I remember laying in the ground. It was it just felt wrong, say. And then the physio and the doctor came out, and they were kind of like, you know, I could tell by their looks at me that it wasn't wasn't great. Um, so I remember kind of they lay me back and they do all these breaths, and all of a sudden I could feel the suction of my shoulder getting, you know, put back into place. And uh, I've been taken off the field, and then they 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 were saying, okay, I'll take you to the the hospital to be seen. I obviously had access to all the conic stuff, so I remember just yeah. say, saying, "Like, oh, look, I'll I'll just go away and um, we'll get it done in Galway through that system." So that was the crack. It was actually, I think it was Jack Jack Carty's twenty first, maybe that night. So I remember that night going out in Athlone or whatever it was with the sling on for the night, and then <laughs> uh, maybe it was maybe it wasn't the best decision. But look, life is for living. Um, <laughs> but I remember going back into Connacht, and then the Connacht physio at the time, no problem saying it was a. He wasn't very good, and that, that's right. that's well said by a lot of people. So it was misdiagnosed, wasn't 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 treated properly, wasn't put through for scans. So I was put in this rehab program basically for say three or four months, and then you know returned to play and tried to hit some metrics, and and I went back and played two or three games for the Connacht A team, and got back into training. I never felt right. I didn't feel comfortable or confident at all. Um. And then it was around that time, I, you know, as I mentioned, I wasn't enjoying Connacht or anything like yeah. that. I just didn't like it. I did, and that was part of it, I suppose. Uh, so then I didn't, anyway, then I went out. So it was kind of following me then, you know. So it happened early, Pat's first year. And then I was just trying to manage it and almost hide it as a switcher because I wanted to stay playing professional rugby. So I needed to manage it as best I could. Yeah. 
um, which is not a good thing to have a shoulder that can slip out. You know, I, I went swimming, for example, you know, your hand goes over your head to, to a stroke and it, it came out and things like that. So I was like, the right, it wasn't good, but I, I, the fact that they weren't telling me to, I need a surgery or anything. You know, I was, you know, I was 20, 21 at that stage. You know, I was with the first team, with the first team medical staff. So in hindsight, I should have probably been more forward with them. But Joe, you're a young fella and you just want to, mm. you don't want to, you do what you do, what you're told by the experts, essentially, is kind of what, what you what you do. In hindsight, that wasn't, I wasn't guided in the best place. But um, so I finished I, there. And then when I went out to Italy and, you know, played a few games and the Italian doctors, pretty quickly and they were just like your shoulder is goosed like what the hell are you doing wow. you know, they put me straight yeah yeah they put me straight into uh straight into a sling and was like you need you need surgery like you how the hell are you like get this before after every training session and um, have to uh i'd have to get the physio to um retape my shoulder before going home to bed because i came out in bed and sleep a few times at that time um so it was it was that it was, it was that literally my sleep rolling over would, would push it out um so yeah, i shouldn't have been playing rugby but i i was trying to figure it out so anyway th- at that point so the shoulder had been following me for over a year i'd say at that stage and uh yeah the italians were great and they were going to opt me there and keep me there and but i just said look can we just let's just call this contract and just just call it quits get me a fight home tomorrow and uh, i'll take care of it on my end so that's what happened. Literally the next day, I was on a flight back to Ireland, and I was under the knife. You know, a few weeks after that, I'd say so. Um, which was, in some ways, I wish it was done better by Connacht at the time. You know, the 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 head medical guy at the time. Um, you know, I wish I probably said, "Hey, wait a second, I need this needs to be looked at in more detail. We can't just re- it's detached. It's not going to reattach by rehab." But anyway, um, I wasn't the player at the time, so obviously there must be something else going on that led there. I didn't get what I needed. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a more in-depth version there of that kind of show. And ankles as well. But shoulder was the biggest thing. Shoulder was, was tough. The ankles, I had to get a few injections and a few numbing pains and stuff to try and deal with it all. It was tough trying to manage manage that and manage the shoulder and then trying to manage performance. And then performance is tough because uh, you're a bit scared, essentially. Or you're, you're timid, I guess. Around contact and... Uh, Rugby is not the sport to be timid around contact, like trying to kind of break name for yourself. So that was a tough year. But look at this, at, and, and, other, and I look at the other that I, maybe if those things didn't happen, maybe I never would have got the opportunity and the path that I went on, which I which I love. So you know, yeah. I, I don't. I look back at it with just kind of that's part of my path, and um, it's led me where I am today, and I'm happy with what I'm doing. So I, I look back at it all fondly, I guess. It's very interesting you say it because it's. Um, I was talking to. Well, my mate, my, my friend, and he was on one of the previous podcasts, um, Luke Murray, um, Irish physio, and how he, at a young age, playing Gaelic football, uh, was misdiagnosed, um, his back injuries, and he, it ended up, basically, he stopped playing sport, but now he's a physiotherapist going for, for, for medicine, and how, uh, I suppose, uh, what you learn from that experience can obviously help others, and, and, and kind of, like, uh, progress your career in a certain path. Mm-hmm. So when when you when you came back from uh, from Italy and you had to go on the surgery, were you still contracted to Connacht or were you a free agent? No, I, I was off. No, my contract expired at that point. So no, I was right. a free agent. Yeah, free agent essentially. And did you see? So you mentioned before you went to Italy how um, your agent was talking about US and all that. Did, did then that opportunity then reemerge and the chance to go and um, and study? 
yeah, exactly that. So I remember then thinking, all right, look, I'm done. Going to fix my shoulder, give my ankle a break, and just try and get it uh, give my ankle a break in terms of obviously giving it a rest is what I mean there. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> yeah, I so I, at this point now I, I was dead keen and going to the US initially. It was just the whole Italy thing up late, and I thought you know that could be a good experience, so I went for it. But then at this point now it's like all right, I'm going under the knife, fixing myself, and kind of moving on, moving. I'm uh, and I what I wasn't enjoying rugby, so I was like, look, I've got to experience it. I got to, peek behind the curtain of what it is to do this and like what it is to be your job and everything and um wasn't enjoying it so it was like I I, met, I was at peace say with that so off I went to the US um to a place called Lindawood University it's in Missouri they uh I guess rugby still played a role because they offered me they gave me a full scholarship um but it was through you know it was for me to play for them in rugby um mm-hmm. you know I was rehab say so it was probably like nine months rehab and but it turned out I never actually got to play for them because I was ineligible to play college sports because I had played rugby professionally. So oh. it was unfair. Well, I wouldn't say unfair. It's not as if I was much better than any of them. But it was, you know, it was deemed deemed I wasn't eligible to play against college kids because I'd had a pro background essentially. Um, so is that a bit lucky on your behalf? Because would you, would they have then not given you the scholarship if they knew that or? Or yeah, no. the, maybe not. they couldn't have had a due diligence on their end. Uh, to be honest, I think the coach knew. He just thought we could slip. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he, he must have known something. But anyway, yeah. what was quite handy is the word, the scholarship was worded as academic. And I was no academic, but the scholarship was worded as academic. So it just meant I had to keep, keep my GPA like as like, I think it was a 3.0 or 3.5, which is not easy. But um, at this stage now, it's like 22. So it's a bit more mature. So when I went there, I just knew I had to keep my scholarship above uh, my grades above that, maybe like a B minus or a B plus average. Right. And if I did that, you know, the scholarship remained intact. So mm. that's what I, I mean. I took care of that piece then. So that, and that actually opened up the door for coaching. And also I used to do some sports agency work at that point as well, which was, you know, again, one door closed, but two or three mm. doors ended up opening on the back of that. What was um what's what's Missouri? What was your first impressions of it, and what was it like living there? Uh, first impressions, I remember landing in and just being like, "Where the hell? Like, where am I?" At the window because you know, I'd only have been to like Florida, New York, Chicago, yeah. um, you know, the Florida being like Disney World, you know, that kind of crack. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd never been into just uh, so I was going to curse. I'd never been into such a remote, rural place as. Missouri right so the first impressions was like oh, kind of like Italy actually actually excuse me very like Italy kind of thinking oh god like what have I got myself into a little bit at first yeah um yeah so, yeah identical to Italy then wondering what what the crack is and 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 then I guess I was in college now going to the next day and then all of a sudden I'm in a dorm room and just sitting in this door room, it's like 32 degrees, 33 degrees outside. And then indoor, inside, the, the AC was blasting and you know, the room was absolutely bare. So there's no, so I'm putting, I'm lobbing on jumpers onto me and then calling <laughs> home and being like, uh, and again, I was 22, space where you, where you know nobody. Um, in America, everything's unfurnished. So you're just going into this bare kind of dorm room. Um, and to be honest, at first thinking, you know, it's quite a, it's, it's just very, very different. Oh, like just the, the whole experience in Missouri was 
it, it took me a while get really acclimatized to it. So I was quite lucky now when I say this, that Lindewood University was one of the few colleges to give uh, rugby scholarships. Yeah. Uh, like actual rugby scholarships. They actually take care of you really. We went on to just dominate and win multiple. Well, we, I wasn't playing, but the lads went on to win multiple national championships like year, year on year. So, but I guess my point around all of that is we gave scholarships. So once all the lads from other parts that, that, that had gotten scholarships, a lot of Australians, a lot of New Zealanders, like Islanders, um, one or two English lads, and then myself and one other Irish lad actually. Once, once all day got to campus and rugby started because I was a, at the time a freshman as they call it, so I got there a little bit earlier than the, mm-hmm. the other lads. Yeah. But once and all day came in very quickly, I was like, oh, okay, this is the crack. Like this is this is kind of familiar, you know, with the the people and just the the scheduling was believe it or not not too dissimilar to Connacht in terms of the amount of training we're doing because all the staff and stuff were full time so I know like that yeah 70 grand a year of scholarship money so you know there's an expectation around that yeah. um or everyone's on different situations but you know it's, it's expensive and you know you're getting a house tuition food everything all done for you so training was um really intense and it was also really impressive how much resources they had like Connacht for example I think like five GPS vests at the time you know, only five lads a day would wear them. Whereas, right. you know, all 30 guys are trading every day at GPS and the drones are in the sky and all the different camera wow. angles. So, it would earnest them there quite advanced. So, once that side of things got rolling, um, so I was in a familiar then and, and that was, that was, uh, that was good. And then academically, it wasn't that challenging. And I was obviously a bit more mature. So, you know, if I had a lecture, I turned up. Whereas, yeah. years gone by, I only been a bit, a bit more lax about things. Um, so, you know, that that was then for really well. And then I just got to be a student as well, you know, socially in terms of I could go out on a Tuesday or when a Tuesday, whatever. I could I could go out and do what I wanted. I didn't have to report at seven thirty AM the next morning to sign in to be waged, to be looked at, to maybe do a urine hydration test, to you know, everything that goes with being professional. You know, I didn't have to do that anymore. So it allowed me just to be a bit freer and um, just have the crack and yeah, even though I didn't play um, for them that much, I played one or two games, just kind of friendlies. But I, was flag- I mentioned I was flagged pretty quickly. Um, that was it was it was re- really enjoyable. And then just look, I I speak, I fell in love with rugby again. But then I also got to, as I said earlier, I got to coach, do agency stuff. Um, so like that was class that I doors that I never, you know, I never would have imagined would have opened for me. Say so yeah, it was it was uh, I speak very highly at that time. And um, was it a was it like a sports management course you were doing? Sorry, the... yeah, yeah. And um, then did it? Did you then go straight into your MBA, or did you do have a time time out? Or uh, I graduated from my degree in twenty eighteen, and I would have a probably two and a half years later. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I did two and a half. Years. I started in full on COVID actually. Just started oh. COVID. Um, uh-huh. so no, no, yeah. So I graduated. And then went on to play. I then returned to pro rugby for a couple of years, and uh, then COVID, the MBA journey got going. And what was it? Um, before before going into the like the transition to, to American football, what was it? Um, you, you played played a bit in the um the major rugby league, uh, the US version of the was the MLS name, but but you also played in the. Um, Playing for the US in the uh, it was against um, Canada and it was against it was against Chile, is it? You're, yeah, you're, I got you're two caps. I got three two caps or three games in, in Argentina, in Argentina as well. But it wasn't a cap. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, Chile, Chile and Canada and and um, Argentina kind of 
and we did we did a South American tour, and yeah. um, like like the Americans' version, what it is, yeah. you know. Uh, so yeah, and, that was that was that. And what was it? Um, because like that that team, I think I seen like you know, AJ McGinty was there. Were, were, were you you went to Connacht at the same when he was there? No, AJ. No, no, I was got. Yeah, so AJ AJ did the opposite of me. He went to Legend America and then went to Connacht. Um, on the back of good performances for the World Cup, but no, so AJ didn't cross paths in Connacht, but he he would have quite a lot. Um, he's a sound man, but the U the US stuff was first camp I got to say was oh against Ireland as earlier that was a, end of twenty eighteen, and it was class because we were we were ranked twelfth in the world at the time, and we just beat Scotland and teams like that, so we were we were flying it. Um, so yeah. I I came in, I got to come in a. I guess an all-time high for for USA rugby when I was and look AJ AJ was 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 ten and he was driving it um and rightly so because the man is world class um but it was cool just to get in and just maybe you know be be behind him and get some get the game time I got and get the more so I I look more I look back more the experience just the experience of you know touring around South America. You know, yeah. going playing in Chile, going playing in like this, you know, maybe ten small stadium, like ten thousand seater stadium in Argentina, and just like they were vain, just you know, class, class experiences. Um, so yeah, that was the, yeah, again, it was the the, the rugby side of things was good and was cool, and see them perform. And I said my against our first time in camp was a uh, Ireland twenty eighteen. I remember even that in the Aviva. I think it was mm. five minutes gone, and we were within a score. And I think ring they got maybe two late tries, but the, no, the t- it was cool experience that and um, kind of a high level team that was performing pretty well and you know, making some noise. And I said like you know beating this Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg led Scotland team, you know things like that was quite cool to to be a part of that shift. Say for USA rugby, excellent. And then um, I suppose then that's so let's talk about the the, the transition to to American football. Had you? Had you always had interest in, in in NFL, or or was it was it peaked when you moved to the states? My the extent of my interest was watching was watching um, any given Sunday, uh-huh. or watching uh, what was that? I'm standing <laughs> moving now. I'm forgetting it. The Water Boy, or playing Madden. That that was yeah. Madden was me. Yeah, playing Madden. That's as far as my American football interest went. Um, right. So. The kicking aspect, I was always aware of. I thought well, that's interesting. Yeah, for sure on the kicking aspect, but n- n- I never, never knew. I never even could compute thought of formalizing that and th- thinking it ever further and trying it because I, yeah. I had no clue how. Um, but it always interests me. But no, I, I wasn't sitting down on a Sunday or supporting a team or anything like that. No, that wasn't me. And what was the like? Are you talking about the kicking and, and how you, how you had interest in that and the like simply put, how how different is is kicking a, a rugby ball to to how American football punt returners have to have to kick? Um, there's the in terms of the action, the the you know, football, the impact perspective, not not a huge difference. No, yeah, uh, the difference kind of comes on your steps and your angles and your timing. But but in terms of the actual the kicking side of it, look, I was watching there this morning. And some lads up that, you know, from all across Ireland and that have never kicked American football before. And some of them are kicking at the guts of 50 yards, you know, mm. pretty, pretty handily. And you know, this guy in particular, he's an inter-county gated footballer. And, you know, so high level, lads at a good level in other sports, other football, football sports, soccer, Gaelic, rugby. Um, I, 
be quite handy kickers um, in in American football. But there, there is some. There obviously there is thing, as I said, steps and timing is the biggest difference because in American football you have one point three seconds from the snap of the ball to you actually kicking it, and the right. ball is you're approaching a ball that is there. Whereas obviously in rugby we we have sixty seconds and we have a tee and we have you know a big round ball compared to American football and it's, it's very different. So the similarities, the football contact is the same, but outside of that there's a lot of differences. And. Amazingly, like, you know, how you went from, you said, playing a bit of Madden and, and knowing how to press the Hail Mary on, on, on the game <laughs> to, to joining, like, um, joining a team in, in the Spring League. Like, yeah. what was your first game like? And I know you would have tra- trained and all, but was there any, was there anything that, like, surprised you? You didn't, you learned as you, as you went on, the, on those games? Loads. Um, TV timeouts was the first thing. Yeah. Like, just long. <laughs> like, you're just, the game's on all of a sudden. I was going out for a field goal and all of a sudden time out. And then, you know, it's like two minutes and then, you know, we're told oh, with the TV and stuff and you're just, you know, you just, I was just on. Yeah. So it was a big, big, huge, like 70,000 seater dome. There's yeah. only maybe 100 people in yeah. there between just players and and like camera people. I remember just like standing two to three minutes and it was just a weird experience. Just, kind of, just looking yeah. around being like, what do I do? And it just felt like an eternity. Uh, just little things like that, I guess. Um, the fact that the game goes for does, but I'm only out in the pitch for probably a cumulative 20 seconds between all my involvements in the game. Right. Um, you know, like, so just knowing you only get, they say it's like a sniper, you kind of get one shot, one kill because you, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't get second bites of the cherry. Like in rugby, you miss a kick, but you can still make a great tackle or make a line break or make whatever. You know, I mean, you, you, you don't get those. You don't get multiple, multiple. You, you get one. And if you better make you better make the next one otherwise you could be thankfully I've never missed two in a row because uh, that's how you get fired basically and it's ruthless at the professional level it is ruthless so um, I yeah oh, there's, loads, there's loads of things I learned also like the game takes bloody ages so you, you should try and go to the, t- for the game you don't be selling looking for the jacks <laughs> like just obvious things that I never thought about that no one told yeah. me about but then in the moment I was like oh god what's, like, what's the crack here so it went from serious stuff to little, little things like that as well. So, yeah, th- th- there's a lot and there's a lot more there within that. But they were probably the things that jumped jump out at me straight away. And have you now turned into a, a big fan of the, the sport now? Are you mad into all the, the, like, the general, not just the kicking side of things? Or are you still mainly focused on, on kicking, um, watching the kickers and all that? No, really, to be honest with you. I, I obviously yeah. have a way better knowledge. I need to have, now what I'm doing, I have a way better knowledge around... Um, just the the college football scene, the, the the NFL, CFL scene, and the kind of different requirements or expectations or eligibility rules and all those things to help be best be best positioned. But and I, just by being around it for two years, I picked up a lot. But no, I'm not sitting down every Sunday to watch a game either. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. But uh, I am uh, vastly more knowledgeable than I was. But I, I def I, I'm very focused on what I need to know and what I need to know. But I'm not. I'm not as focused on like you know knowing all the different routes you can run or knowing all the different defensive schemes or how the O line and D line work. Now nah, I'd still be pretty raw there. Mm-hmm. I, I would say and yeah. But I think I have enough to be focused on around what it is I'm trying to do that I, I'm not looking to become an expert in other areas. But yeah, so that's what I that's what I say on that. How did um how did the move to Poland come around and what was that what was that like? That was another another new place for you to go, I guess. And yeah. Play sports? 
Yeah, exactly. So I just finished up in that spring league in America and I was talking to some NFL and CFL teams. Um, so I played five games now in that league and that, and that was really good, really good exposure and opportunity for me to play the sport. But believe it or not, the other ankle, I uh, got blocked. I forgot that I can be hit without the ball, essentially. And some lad just banged into me when I wasn't that aware it was about to happen. Um, yeah. Just because, I'm, you, you know what I mean? Don't have the ball, you don't think you're going to get hit. Yeah. Um, but I got hit. So anyway, I was rehabbing my ankle and I was talking to these the NFL and CFL and I was back in Ireland at this point. I came back for maybe two weeks. Like, what am I going to do next? Because, you know, I, the fact I couldn't play in college, the only level you can play is pro. So, like, the only realistic level you can play, if you want to be serious, is professional. So, there's a lack of opportunities to play professionally. And um, so, I was kind of thinking, like, the CFL or NFL team would bring me in mm-hmm. for a look. And... They were kind of talking. They were like, "Yeah, it's good, but you know, five games, and you know, three of them I was bad. Didn't do a kickoff. I had to do drop kicks. Believe it, couldn't take seven steps and plant my uh, plant foot. Mm-hmm. But that was unfortunate. But look, um, things happened for me. And randomly, the European there used to be an NFL Europe, maybe twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, and then it, yeah. it got shut down. And the new iteration had just come back. So a lot of whatever wealthy businessmen around. Germany, Spain, and Poland came together and started this, you know, launched this uh, European League of Football. Mm-hmm. And watching it on highlights, actually, on, on YouTube, I'd seen some highlights. And I I don't know why I wasn't really looking into it that seriously. But um, out of nowhere, I got an email one day from the team saying, would it be interesting going over? And uh, and then I, so I started watching more of the stuff and I started to see the stadium. So I was really, really, what I needed is experience, but I need to make sure it was like professional environments you know the t- so it was proper tv cameras it was proper crowds you know things like that for the nfl and cfl at least you know it's not just me picking on a pitch with a man and a dog watching with an iphone you know to be professional yeah. say yeah. um and i looked at all this stuff and i was like oh god in fairness to them it's proper and then um they made me a very fair offer in terms of a contract you know exceeded my expectation in that regard so then i just said you know what this this is perfect um so yeah, joined joined Wrocław uh, Panthers in Wrocław, uh, so it looked like Rollclaw, but it's uh, um, yeah. you know found ourselves first game was on the road in was it Berlin? No, Cologne in Cologne, Germany, and we're getting to the stadium, and it was just rocking into the sports ground. To be honest, like better, and uh, there's like five or six thousand people there. Germans, Germans love football. They love it. Right. Um, it's called it to be a lot of army, American army bases in Germany back oh, in the day. So yeah. the sport. Uh, but yeah, I remember that was the first game with fans as well. That was a funny experience because I remember people shouting my name, leader, leader, leader. And I was thinking, geez, who do I know? Who's at the game that I know? And I remember I turned around and then it's the, they just started abusing me. <laughs> like, I remember being like, what the, what? And these are Germans. They were speaking yeah. English, but Germans. And then a dawn was like, oh yeah, sure in American football or names on the back of the jersey. So I was like, oh, that's how they... Joe, I thought it was someone I knew, but in rugby, obviously, we don't have our name in a jersey. And the, yeah. the one league I played on in America was during COVID, so there was no one there to abuse it. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cool. In fairness, I enjoyed it. So did, did that and um, had a class time. And major, major thing is I got to put together some really good uh, game tape as a kicker and punter. And um, that then that then opened up the... 
that then opened up the door to go back to the NFL and CFL teams and say, look, I've got an extra five games. I've kicked some 50 plus yarders. I've done some, you know, some really cool stuff here. So got to make some tackles and put it all, you know, just start building up my CV and my experience. And uh, then that resulted then in the CFL um, team, Hampton Tiger Cats, uh, signing me basically, which was uh, the CFL is the NFL is the biggest league in the world. It's 32 teams. And there's a lot more players out there that are high level than there is for those 32 teams. There's more than 32 good kickers, for example. Yeah. Um, so the CF is the next show in town. And uh, yeah, thankfully, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll, um, they signed me there. So was, I signed with them. And that was that was probably the pinnacle then getting to play play games for them was the, was, was yeah. Well, that, sorry, excuse me. Definitely the pinnacle of my American football career. And, 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 and that timeline between you first like kicking in American football to sign in the CFL. What, how many years was that? Uh, I would have started in Jan- uh, just over a year from kind of first in the crack to retiring to get from rugby to getting involved. So yeah, just over a year. So it was like looking back, it was, it was it, like, yeah, like it was, it was hard work and a lot hundreds of emails to agents to teams trying to figure I remember mentioning like half an hour ago around in rugby I was on this train and the path was laid out in front of you your hand was yeah. held and you just just kind of hung on and off you went that was not the case in American football there was no path there was no there was no train tracks to follow but yeah just over a year and a bit uh, really good experience made me be creative and resourceful and I learned to ask for things and put yourself out there uh, if you if it kept my head under, you know, if I stayed quiet and just tried to, you know, work hard, say, like a lot of people say, just work hard or will something happen? For me, that wasn't the case because, you know, no one knew I existed. So I had to kind of be working hard and then kind of network and use social media was massive. Social media was phenomenally helpful, phenomenally good in terms of getting exposed. And yeah, but yeah, probably three months, I'd say. So yeah, that was that was uh, three times in like 14 months. And um yeah, that was the crack of that. Amazing, like, because obviously, like, uh, I saw that in your 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 work you're doing now, so you've you've kind of pioneered that route for an Irish sports person or a person who an Irish person is into sports to getting into this into into American football. So, how then? How today or now you're you're working with or you've set up a company or um, leader kicking. So, how how does that um, kind of tie in with? What you're doing right now and how how how's all that going for you? Yeah, it was a thing. I I remember my first day training in San Diego back in wherever that January time. Um, first day I was like I was with the uh, the guy. It's all the NFL coaches, kicking coaches, and current players, and then players get signed by pro teams. So mm-hmm. they, a lot of them train together, you know, because we're all doing the same thing. So it's kind of like even though everyone's with different teams and everyone's competing for a very limited amount of jobs, as I mentioned, 32 NFL, nine CFL, that's it, say, in terms of actual proper high level, you know, like big business American football. And then, then you kind of, you have a stage down to that European league that I played in then. And then to be honest, we go lower than that. It's, it's just purely amateur. So mm-hmm. it's a competitive world. But I remember my first day, we were lining up to punt and the punter in front of me, his name's John Ryan. And, He'd won Super Bowls with Seattle, so he was probably, you know, he this he was, I think he was on, he, I think he was no longer under contract. You know, was trying to get resigned and stuff like that. So you know, he's there just like me, except he has millions of dollars in a Super Bowl pocket in his in his back pocket or pocket, and I've 
day one kicker here. But anyway, I was training with these lads and I remember just thinking like I was and I was hanging in there with them. I was actually you know, I was hitting, you know, all the balls yeah. were static. So hang time, distance, uh, trajectory, everything's everything's static. And I was hanging in there with those guys. And I was like, you know, like wouldn't this be class if this type of pathway program or this was accessible to us in Ireland? Because mm-hmm. I was just going in there using rugby and Gaelic football kicking. I wasn't using a polished American football strike. Because um, I love a lot of them just because our swings are different. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so straight away, day one, was I, it, it hit me. And I so I, over my entire time in the sport, I was always taking notes. I was working with coaches and like the best coaches in America, which, you know, some of them cost up to $1,200. Like a lot, it was expensive. But I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to soak to A, help me in my career, but B, knowing that when I'm done, I think I'm going to go back to Ireland and try and do something in Ireland. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. the more I learn along my journey, the, the, you know, equip the Irish lads and, you know, save them having to spend $1,200 in Arizona, they can kind of work with me in Ireland and we can do it all at home and locally, but they can still get good knowledge, good coaching and, you know, so I guess that was, that was always in the back of my head. And then once, as I said, the sport's ruthless. Uh, I was playing CFL, was playing a game uh, Friday night. First game winner, you know, there was four seconds on the clock. We we're down by one point. Score, we win, miss, we lose. Banged it over on cloud nine. And then Monday morning, I'm being released. And I was just kind of like, oh, wow. wow. Like, <laughs> it, so it's a ruthless sport. And in fairness, the lad, the lad that, um, that kept in the kicker position, he actually went on this season to set a franchise record. So, like, you know, I, I didn't have any qualms about it because I performed really well and I knew that. Uh, and they knew that as well. It was just the guy, you know, the guy I was competing against, uh, he he had played in Texas A&M. So, he like 105,000 every year, every week for four years. And he was a high-level high, high level kicker. He'll actually be in the NFL in a year or two. Seth, Seth Small is his name. Um, right. So, I, I didn't have any qualms about when re- being released. But it was trying to, you know, I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm at, my stock's at an all-time high and being released. This is the business. Do I want to? And kickers, unfortunately, your contracts are not guaranteed. So you, you just get chopped uh, all the time. All the time. So it's just like, do I want to get do I want my life, knowing that I'm always going to be bat- fighting the you know, uphill battle? I'm always this unexperienced rugby guy. Like, yep. That was always how I was seen. Um which is fair enough. Uh, so I knew I wasn't. I knew I wasn't going to stay having that uncertainty in my life for too long. So that you know that was in the summertime, and then up popped um, the uh, Erlingus College Football Classic. You know the college games that happened that happened yep. in the Viva Stadium. So that was going on, and I was talking to some teams to sign with the CFL. Now, so the league, the league I was already kind of in, and then it was a free agent and. Their season was going on and teams are you're, it's called a ready list. So they're just saying, look, you're top of a ready list. Essentially, when messes up, you're brought in. That's 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 the reality of it. And uh, for the first oh. weeks, none of the lads messed up. I was watching every game. I know it's a bit ruthless, but I was watching every game on TV. I was in Toronto with my girlfriend. And every time a kicker came out, you know, you kind of like both of us sitting there like, geez, if he misses, we could be flying to Vancouver tomorrow. We could be flying to Edmonton. We could be. Anyway, the lads, the lads were the lads weren't missing. <laughs> in fairness to them, they did a good job. But again, everyone's high level. So that that so with all that going on for me, 
nah, maybe a month. And then I, the Aer Lingus College Football Classic was going on. So, you know what? Maybe if I can get involved with this event, you know, big college football game in Ireland, it'd be good Isaacs. Maybe I can try and do some events around this and get, get Irish lads involved and just use it as a way to out the talent base, say. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I did. Did some events in conjunction with the, the, the game and um, it went really well. And the talent was, I was really at the amount of people that could just turn up with never been having coached before, never kicked the ball, but they were doing, hitting good distances, good hang time. So I knew that was really good. And I, I was kind of like, okay, maybe there's something here I might come back to, you know, assuming that I was going to get re-signed myself. Yeah. And uh, did that for maybe three weeks. And then the final event was in the Aviva Stadium. And we had a lad go out and kick, you know, three guys kick in front of 40 odd thousand people to, 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 you know, to competition at halftime. And I remember just doing all of that. And then at the end, the guy won. Uh, I remember going up into the boxes where his family were there and, um, his family, you know, they, they had three kids and one of them had gone through really difficult um, kind of like cancer treatment and he was coming out the far side of it. And then the other kid also has some different disabilities and they're an amazing family. But anyway, they all came together. And I remember just kind of being there, watching them all come together and said like the, the little kid who, who was sick, you know, put, we had a crown for the winner because uh, it's called our king. Yeah. I remember him putting on the crown and the, the family all coming together and all embracing it, just happiness. And he'd also won a trip to America as part of the, the prize we, we put up for him. Wow. I remember just watching, I was just like, fuck it, excuse me. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're right. That's what I thought was like, this is way more sense of purpose and pride and like joy, just like that moment than, it, than I did the winner in front of whatever, 20, 30 thousand people. Like, yeah. I, I remember just being like, fuck, sorry. Anyway, it, it, it meant a lot to me, so you can hear me cursing. Was like, I was curse like, away, curse away. Yeah, no yeah, but it, that was it. At the yeah. moment where I said, you know what, I, I think I'm done. I think I'm done playing. I think this is me. Like, I think if, if, I, can do, if I can create something that can, like, do bring such happiness, and especially just given that family and their amazing people and their situation, it was just nice. It was, just, it was amazing to be able to kind of help play a role in, in that moment and, and what that has done for them and what, what that created. I was like, I think this, like, you know, you talk about in life trying to find something that brings you, brings you, that you're passionate, brings you a real sense of purpose. And I was like, I think it was just staring back at me, you know, in that moment. And I think this is me now. I'm, 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 I'm moving, I'm staying in Ireland and I'm now, I'm going to tell the teams and the I'm, I'm out. And that's what I did. Uh, and that was back in August. And, you know, I've, since I've just been working as hard as I bloody can exposure and awareness and opportunities uh for for what's truly life-changing stuff uh, in terms of you get a, if you get to, if you become a good kicker or a punter you can get a full scholarship to go over where, which that's worth a few hundred grand in value when you can get the football experience the academic experience just the lifestyle experience um there's so much there and i i lived and breathed it myself being a athletes i then i saw the sport i saw the opportunity and it's it's it's, it's all just fun and it's class it's just there's no one here to connect the dots and provide it to people so yeah i guess i was quite quite passionate about it and even now talking about it thinking about it brings me just that sense of buzzing and passion around this what it is i'm trying to do so um yeah it's much more for me that it's much more than just like kicking it, it, it's like the person and the human and like the the family it, it's it's all encompassed um yeah just you can call it no excellent about it excellent and um because on, on your on your website like uh, leader kicking i quite like how the the first thing you kind of see is 
um, can you kick? And then if, if so, keep reading. Um, yeah. So if there's, for example, if there's someone listening in now who's, I don't know, I let's just say fifth year or going into leaving certs um, and, and what, how do, how does someone kind of make contact or, or how, what's the, or do you make contact? How do you, how does someone go from listening to this to maybe trying to get a, a scholarship? Or yeah, path. yeah, yeah. Um, no good point. Um, so basically, you you just you will go to leaderkit.com and on the website there, I spot it throughout the website. You see, there's like something called an interest, form. and just and you would just fill out that interest form. I I just ask questions like your name, your email, where you're from, your kind of sporting background, like what sport did you play, what level did you play at, just question nature, and um, yeah, it, it's all just pretty. Yeah, pretty soft. Just so I can information information. So then you can get emails around um, training dates, training things like that, and then you just come into a session. We, as I said, did one this morning. I had quite a few. Never, you know, never done it before. And as I said, it's just come up, explore. It. Like um, it, it's not a trial or anything. It's just a bit of crack. We're just kicking balls. Uh, give you a little bit of coach around the American way of things are doing it, but also it'll allow you just to have fun with it. And those that a show a lot of ability or be really enjoyed and want to do it more then you know there's just more sessions and more frequent you kind of get involved but it's it's a soft launching point you just fill out the the interest form and um from there just explore your abilities and if you know if it goes really well uh, well so two things have to happen then to get a scholarship a you need to be really bloody good um if you're average i if you're average probably not you're not going to get a full scholarship you know they they, they don't give the lower they don't give them for for average so if you're average we can work together and i try and make it very good but it should be a you have to be very good and then b you have to be eligible so which do you have eligibility to go to america and guys can do as late as like 32 i doubt the australia they're quite having a punch now they, they, they can go up into their early 30s so there's no necessarily age range it's just around do you want an undergraduate degree or master's degree? And uh, if the answer is yes to your ability and then yes to the academic side of things, then I can help you. If you're the most amazing kicker we've ever seen, but you don't have eligibility or the academic side of things isn't up to par, well, then it'd be quite hard to help you. So yes, I need to marry both things together in order for it to become a feasible, viable option. And it's um, that's great to hear because then the... Obviously, I can imagine like getting a, getting a scholarship in Ireland as opposed to being in America. Obviously, probably adds the complications of the the quality has to be there. But you have yeah. you know case, um, case studies and, and and proven success. You know, yeah. talking about your first your first um, person signed off was was Ross uh, Ross Bolger. How how is he getting on? Or have you been in contact with him recently? Oh or? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, we're in the middle of talk colleges. It's uh, we're we're chatting multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Ross is really cool one to point towards just to show kind of what it looks like, you know, the pathway, say. And, uh, you know, Ross just came to a session, for, very first, say, open session I did maybe four months ago now. Ross turned up, really good kicker, showed potential. I said, look, you have ability. I think I can help you. He's the first guy I've said, I think we can do something with you. Like, you know, because I've, I've coached a lot of guys. But he, he, he had the ability. And uh, and then I said, like, but do you no, do you want to go down this path? Because it's going to be, we're going to have to train frequently. It's going to be, it, it's 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 not just a kind of a casual kick two or three days. I send videos to coaches and they're like, wow, you're amazing. 
yeah uh, like it, it's it's competitive competitive space and to your point we have to we have to be that much better than the americans because we don't have game tape to show and him kicking in craigs and roscommon in ireland you know so it's not exactly the same kicking in front of a hundred thousand people in in a college or a big high school so you have to have the ability but yeah with the guards ross he had the ability and then he um he's like i desperately want to do this so then you know that, that was a perfect synergy then through the ability and then the the drive and also the academics he has so yeah, we maybe the last six weeks we've been getting calls from a lot of different programs most of this happens through social media twitter primarily twitter is like the recruitment ground is where you post videos coaches see them and then coaches send you dms from there so it, mm-hmm. it's interesting it happens quite publicly but that's the crack and yeah with Ross now we've had I'd say maybe just under 20 colleges um, reach wow. out and yeah yeah, it, it, we've, he put up some he's done some cool stuff which is why it's in such interest and uh, now it's about you know finding finding the best it kind of marrying what he wants to do academically he's on his master's so what gives him the master's degree he wants at the football program he wants and then also the scholarship offer because some people will say we give you a full scholarship, but it might be in a not the not the school that maybe has the master's where he wants mm-hmm. some schools might he, he really likes it but they're like look you're a bit raw so we give you a 50 percent or 75 scholarship or whatever there's loads of different facets to to manage but right now i guess with him we're just talking to multiple schools and trying to iron out you know what's the best fit for him and with his parents are very heavily involved as well so but it's a good one to point to. But he's been very quick now. Like most lads are not going to get this done in four months. He's quite a unique case just with his ability level was so high so quickly. It made it a bit easier. Um, but, you know, realistically, most people, you know, if you're 15 or 16, you know, it's the kind of thing you could train, you know, be trained on for two or three years before you even go to college. Um, you know, everyone has a different timeline. But, yeah, Ross, Ross is a great one to point towards that, uh, you know, you can kind of follow his path, I guess, is what, is what we're trying to do. And um, obviously, there was some great stuff during during the summertime with uh, with off the ball and he, with with Shane Wallace and Sean O'Shea. Mm. Um, ooh, uh, what would you say? Um, well, well, first, what was that like? Because go traveling around the camper van looked like a, looked like a fun old experience as well, going around the country. Yeah, yeah, no, it was brilliant, and that was that was the first event, lads. I think it was only a week or two after the All Ireland. Um, yeah, because I remember sitting down watching the All Ireland, but she'd never seen the sport before. I remember watching that, and then you know, whatever, two weeks later, two of the stars, well, two of the maybe, you know, one of the stars of the show of the Ireland and Shane and obviously Sean lifting the, yeah. lifting the trophy. Um, and then we were just back in and kicking American footballs with them. So that call kind of happened quite quick, but now that was good crack. And it was interesting to see. So the most common thing you hear from any, you know, kick to the two of those, Dean Rock, obviously is a high level Gaelic footballer, uh, John Cooney and rugby. And the most common thing you hear from everyone is ah. Not as easy as it looks. <laughs> On TV, it looks easy. Pretty much everyone's. It's not as easy as it looks, um, which is definitely true. Uh, but that was great. Yeah, that was that was that was a good crack. It was good to get, I guess, some exposure to see you know some of Ireland's biggest names out kicking footballs. That was that was nice. And then just the idea of the the camper venue reference there. Yeah, it was handy. We had access to that, and then we just took off all around Ireland, just trying to just spread aware again, spread awareness. Let let people. Cause I don't think people understand how much can come from. Yeah, that's been my biggest struggle is for people to understand that like a how attainable it is like this is not some far-fetched dream like this is actually for a lot of people quite tangible and like i know how to make it real 
Yeah. Um, so it's it's you know it's not some long sh- it is a some it's a long shot but if you're a high level Gaelic footballer or a rugby player it's we can like we can likely make something happen. Um, so I guess it's around just trying to create awareness of the opportunity that exists and then also understanding that it's 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 not it might seem far fetched to think in a year or two's time you could be on ESPN in front of a thousand people kicking or punting the ball. But it it really like Ross has kind of shown it really is uh, something that we can make happen just thanks to our heritage and our DNA of, of kicking balls in Ireland. So that's kind of the crack there in relation to that one. And um, do, kind of probably coming to the close, but the 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 sessions you have are they Dublin, Galway? Are they in different locations or mainly one place? Or uh, no, we're, we're, so that's that's the thing. I've I've one hundred and seventy something lads signed up now that have done the um, that interest form I referenced earlier. Yeah. So it's hard, you know, it's hard trying to find the right place at the right time because everyone has other things going on. And uh, for example, this weekend I did Galway Friday at the loan Saturday and then Dublin being today on the Sunday. Oh. Most will be in Dublin just because I'm actually relocating to Dublin. I'm moving today. I'm moving into in Dublin today. So after this call, I'll be uh-huh. unpa- unpacking the car and it's packed to the you can um, well get a property because I believe it's very t- tough to get something up there. So well done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so mostly Dublin again. I suppose look, it's just the biggest market. That's where most people are. Yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to go look, looking like maybe once a month. I might do an event in Belfast, an event in Cork, and then either Limerick, or Galway. So I hope to get in the road and try and make it accessible for people. But also, what I'm telling people is, look, you know, when I I went kicking for the crack that first time, and then once I say, you know what, I want to explore this more. You know, I was driving three hours each way to meet a kicking coach. Yeah. I was. $300 a session and um, so it was a six-hour commute let alone the kicking session and costing a lot of me and look I like I today the lads paid me 20 euros ahead so look I, I feel like I'm very fair uh, and accessible for everyone because but it, it does take a bit of commitment but this I'm happy to I don't mind if there's one or two barriers in front of you because you know if you want to do it you, you'll find um, and keep in mind you know no one's no one's driving three hours well in fairness today some lads they come up from court but again, that's an indicator to me. Remember, I said you need to have the talent, the academic side, but then also I need to know you're doing it. It's it's not something you can kind of half arse and think it will work. Yeah, you yeah. need to be quite committed. So, uh, cool. trying to hold sessions across the country, I hope to you know do more and more, continue to grow it out, especially as a weather. Um, but the, the idea is look, just my, I tell everyone, just come have have a bit of fun with their balls, no expectation, have a crack, bit of crack with it, and then if you're good, I can help you. If you're not, I can maybe make you better, but I might be able to get you a scholarship, you know, being realistic. And that's, that's I don't want to misinform anyone to tell a lad that's kicking the ball 30 yards that, hey, I can get you a scholarship. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, like, I'm not going to waste your time because yeah. I, I don't have told one session, hey, I don't think this is realistic. Generally, I think you need to be fair and make sure you want a few sessions. You know, I don't want to waste your time, nor my time, nor any of our, your money, or again, my time. Um, So, I'd be pretty real and straight with people because what we're trying to do is not easy. So it, it's it's quite it's quite an elite. Your ability needs to be pretty high level and elite to make it work. But it more often than not, lads would be surprised with how good they can do it. And as I said, one of the big advantages is your body doesn't get banged up for something, which is a pretty part of why I decided to give it a go. That uh, yeah, kicking and punting, it's a relatively safe position as long as you know that you can be hit without the ball. Didn't know, but I make sure to explain that to everyone nice and early. <laughs> so I won't keep much longer, Ty, because you said you're, you're busy today. So last kind of question 
bit off the wall as well. So, or different to what I've asked you already. But what would you say, if you could think of like three Irish athletes who you know, obviously didn't play American football and um, that would make a great uh, kick returner, who, 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 who would you think would have, would have made that move? Or could you have imagined? Uh, you mentioned kick, retur- kick returner once or twice, but I think you mentioned in reference to punting. Do you, do you mean the lad that catches the ball and returns the kick, or do you mean the lad that actually kicks it? I meant actually the the role that you did. Apologies, the kick, um, the the what's the, the the position that you played? The punter, the punter, punter the pol- kicker. Or the, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, yeah that, that's what I thought you meant. So I just kept, I kept on chatting. But yeah, thanks yeah, very much. There's a kicker, <laughs> there's a kicker, there's a punter, and then there's a actually there actually is a, a kick returner. But he's the guy that catches the kick and runs it back. Ah, so, okay. So, so you mean the guy that actually punts it out of the hand? Is it the like the kicking at the goal kicker, uh, field goal? Yeah, field, kicker. Yeah, he's, he's a kicker. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Good. So, who do I can? The first person that comes to mind off the top of my head, which is not going to be this creator for surprise, it's because he's good, would be Raj, Rodan Agara, uh-huh. which there was, remember, famously talked yeah, about potentially signing. Yeah. But from what I understand, that was more, uh, I don't think that was true. I think that was more loose kind of way for him to bump up his contract or interest in the media to uh-huh. pressure you, at least, at least uh, from what I've heard from multiple people, because trust me, he's, he's a very good kicker, but he isn't going to sign a lad because he can kick a rugby ball. Because as I learned, it's like, yeah, that's great. Well done. Uh, we'll do it in 1.3 seconds with the ball with no, with the tiny sweet spot. And he, you know, made it over six, seven yards. It's it's a different type of kicking. But anyway, I would love to have seen him do it. That's for sure. Raj would be a good one. Um, Gaelic football goalkeeper. The uh, Cluxton that plays for uh, Dublin, is it? Yeah. Where it used to be. Yeah, Gaelic yeah. football goalkeepers. Uh, a, a big distance. So, there, um, we'll say him, we'll say Cluxon, and then oh, jeez. Uh, actually, you know, here's another one. A lot of people have been talking to me, and I must get a session with the Tyrone goalkeeper. I think his name is Niall Morgan, yeah, yeah, is yeah. it Niall Morgan? I think it is that, yeah. yeah. He so he's actually one that, that, that I hope to get on the pitch because I said I've got all the, 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 the fancy free takers from <laughs> Kerry and Dublin and Galway, but. And they're all sounding very good now. But I would love to. I loved. I had. I had a intercounty Gaelic football kicker today with me, time, and he was very good. Uh, so he's a lad that I'm, I'm actually going to call later today to talk see about it. But uh, yeah, Niall Morgan. I've heard great things about his kicking mm-hmm. ability. So it'd be cool to just to to see him give it a go. So yeah, they're the three Excellent. lads that come out jump to mind. Brilliant, like and uh, so just to remind people to best way of you know, leader kicking dot com, and you also you're on social medias as well. Uh, on uh, Instagram, or is the new fad TikTok? So we've been I've been uh-huh. learning about TikTok the last while, but uh, yeah, at Leader Kicking on Instagram would be your best bet. Um, or you can always find me myself is at Tig Leader on Twitter or Instagram. You can always shoot me a DM and I'll I'll get back to you as quick as I can. So that's what I'd suggest. Uh, or the website is at leaderkicking.com and fill out the interest form would be the would be the quickest and best way to go about it. Tyg, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been really interesting uh, listening to you. And thanks again for, for coming on the podcast, General Spec. Hope everyone who's listening in uh, checks out uh, Tyg's uh, social medias and also clicks that subscribe button on Spotify. Um, yeah, last word to yourself, Tyg. I don't want to keep you any longer because you've got a busy evening ahead. Uh, anything else Anything else yeah. to, to mention? No, just, it's, um, you, you might surprise yourself. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, you might surprise yourself with your ability. So, 
come give it a crack um, whether it's you or whether you know someone who could benefit you know benefit from this can use their Gaelic football like like the lad Ross is doing his rugby Gaelic football skills he's now going to turn something that a lot of money to him in, in the form of a scholarship so you never know just just come explore it have a bit of fun with it and if it if it's for you great if it's not look at least you tried. you're not you're not going to die wondering and that confused a lot in my life like explore give it a crack be curious and if it works great if it doesn't at least you can be happy you gave it a go so that's what I, that's what i'd say on that and thanks very much for having me on tj enjoy chatting